Let's see, turn to Mark chapter 1 if we've still got our Bibles. I've still got our Bibles. <laughs> yeah, Mark chapter 1, do what? Whatever she said. Huh? Whatever she said at work. Yeah, Hank. You know Hank. You know what I'm talking about. Hank who? Hank who? Lee? Where's Hank? Hank Lee. Lee? He's the association of missionaries. No, director of her. He's the director of missions. Is North Central? In Clarksdale? Yeah, I don't know him. His office is right there. In yeah, the I know where the office is, but I don't know him. Really? Yeah. I bet he has some good stories. Hell yeah. Folks, if y'all don't know, Japan would not be a good place to work. That would be a hard, hard ministry field. Uh, the Japanese have a strange culture, and they're steep in their Eastern religions. So uh, if he was there 30 years, he's a man of determination. Yeah. He got a lot of spiritual strength. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. This, uh, to me, uh, this section of scripture focuses on the ministry, the ministry of Jesus uh, primarily, uh, but it, it talks about how he did ministry. If it's good enough for Jesus, it ought to be good enough for us. Verse 35, I sound really loud. Am I really loud to y'all? Huh? Very hot. Huh? Hear me good. Yeah, my hearing aids are not working. Okay, we'll leave it on. Uh, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, talking about Jesus, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. And he was praying there. Simon and his companions went searching for him. He obviously got up before they did. <laughs> and went out to pray. Uh, verse 37 says, They found him and said, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I can preach there too. This is why I have come. So he went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Then a man with a serious skin disease came to him and on his knees begged him, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I'm willing, he told him, be made clean. Immediately the disease left him, and he was healed. When he sternly warned him, then he sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses prescribed for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news with the result that Jesus could no longer enter, enter a town openly. But he was out in deserted places 
and they would come to him from everywhere. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you that we have the privilege of being in ministry with you, God, for you, in your power. God, we are able and glad to do what you would have us to do. God, as we look at your word today, help us to understand the ministry that is ours you have given us. Give us the courage to do what you've called us to do as your children. Lord, we, uh, we give ourselves afresh to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the first thing that crossed my mind about Jesus' ministry, if you read about Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus focused on prayer. That was one of the primary things that he focused on. That was a habit that he had. Jesus prayed a lot in the New Testament. And he led his disciples and all of the people around him to do that. And he went alone. He didn't have a, a prayer meeting like we have where, you know, I mean, I'm sure he did that with all of the apostles where everybody had a chance to pray. But Jesus was in the habit of going somewhere alone where he could get alone with God. Now, folks, there's a lesson there for us. We need to just simply get alone with God every once in a while. And we need to do it earnestly and honestly and confess to him and talk to him as if he were our close friend because he is. As his children, we don't have a closer friend than God himself. And we need, just like we do with our good friends and close friends, we need to spend some time talking to him. We need to have some time with him, just us. We don't need a whole lot of people around we need to get along with God and let him talk to us and we talk to him. And, um, <laughs> I'm going to be a preacher now. One of the primary ways that he talks to us, we have the opportunity to hold in our hand. Now I'm going to tell you, uh, I think I've come close a couple of times, but I've never heard God audibly speak to me. I never have. But I've heard him and I hear him every day in his word. Because what he said 2,000 years ago is still just as pertinent today as it was 2,000 years ago. And it would behoove us if we would spend some time alone in uh, our prayer closet or wherever, some time alone and just talking to God and listening to him talk to us. We don't... Uh, realize how important our devotional time is. We need to have a devotional time. And if we shun that and let it go by, we're going to be a lot weaker than we ought to be. And God's not going to leave us, but uh, <laughs> he stays far enough away and lets us get in trouble sometimes. <laughs> and uh, He's always good to me about bailing me out. Uh, I'll say that much about him. 
Jesus, when Jesus went alone, he didn't make a big deal out of it. He didn't make a show out of it. He didn't uh, brag about it or anything else uh, to the apostles or anybody else. He didn't do that when it came time for him to go pray. He just went to pray. He didn't ask anybody's permission, and he didn't tell anybody where he was going. He just went and got along with God. Now, uh, as I get older, <laughs> there's nothing the matter with us to have a place to get along with God. Uh, it's hard to find sometimes. You know, we live in such a hustle-bustle world, and especially our young people that have children, it's hard for them to find a place to get alone. <laughs> you got children, somebody's always hanging on your leg or your arm or something. But we can make time to spend a few minutes anyway with God alone, uh, speaking to Him uh, without any fanfare, without any bragging about it or anything like that. And verses 36 and 37, Simon and his companions were searching for him. <laughs> they couldn't find him. Uh, they were asleep. He got up and went out without them. Uh, and when they woke up, he wasn't there. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I, if I'd have spent as much time with Jesus as the apostles had spent with him up until that point, just that little bit. If I'd spent that much time and the power wasn't there the next morning when I got up, I'd be concerned too. They wanted to find him. Why? Because they were dependent on him. Folks, if there's a message for the church today, it's our dependency that we should have on the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but I've had the opportunity to be in, in, in quite a few churches through the years. And I'm going to tell you something. I've been in some that were just as dead as hammers. They were just, I mean, just dead. Some of them just cold as Antarctica. There was, no, there was no spirit there. There was no joy there. There was no happiness there. I've seen churches like that in our world today in this part of the country. Not just some Yankee country or out west on the west coast. Our part of the world, I've seen churches like that where people appear to be dead. And, and they, <laughs> I'll pick on them a little bit. They sit there in that pew with them long faces. And they, you, can, you can hear them thinking, I'm so glad to be here. Never crack a smile, never show happiness, never be joyful about being in the house. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> Look, we don't need to be that way. We ought to desire the presence of God. When we get in the presence of God, we're in the presence of power and strength and comfort and, and joy and happiness. When, when, he, when the apostles got up and he wasn't there, they missed him. Can you imagine what our lives would be like without Jesus? I mean, if we had known Jesus and all of a sudden he wasn't available to us anymore, we'd be concerned about it too. We ought to be concerned. They went looking for him and they found him. <laughs> that was a, a joy to them. <laughs> but, uh, they were tickled that they, that they found him. And uh, Peter, I think, probably was the one that said, everyone's looking for you. <laughs> well, see how Jesus responded. It wasn't a big deal to him. 
And he said to them, let's go to the neighboring villages so that I can preach there too. He had his mind on the ministry. He was focusing on doing what his father wanted him to do, doing the ministry to reach people and lead them to come to know him in saving faith. Now, folks, we have so many churches today that spend an inordinate amount of time. And I've been a youth worker, and I've, I've spent hours getting things planned and, you know, with the help of Patricia and some other folks, getting things planned for the youth. And I, I say preachers do it, and we do it all the time, plan things for our church activities. And we, we live in such a competitive world today. We think the church is in competition with the world. And we've got to have the activities and the fun and games and all of that sort of stuff in the church that the world's got. Folks, what we need to do is get them away from that and away from the world and get like Jesus was, alone, seeking God's face. That's what the church needs to do. But we have failed so many times. You can look around you. I don't know how many people this place will seat, but we, we don't have nearly as many as we ought to have. we got 12 or 13 folks, I think. Well, that's fine. I'm tickled to death to see y'all, but y'all have been here for a while. You probably remember when this church was nearly full. Just about every little church like this can remember a time when that church was, what happened? What happened? The pulpit too many times went blank. I'm not talking about without a preacher. I'm talking about without any gospel. We, when, we, when we leave Jesus and the Father out of the church and the ministry, folks, we're making a big mistake. We ought to be concerned just like the disciples were when they couldn't find Jesus. When the, when the power left them, and couldn't, they couldn't find him. They went searching for him. Well, look, if we're in a situation where the power seems to be somewhere else, we ought to be out looking for him in the strength and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ until we find it. There are folks out there that need Jesus. And we find some of those folks that don't know Jesus and get them excited about serving him and worshiping him and coming into the church. That'll help a lot. The apostles went looking for him. They were focused on the, the ministry. If you look at verses 38 and 39, he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach to them. This is why I've come. So he went into all of Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. He was doing the work of his father. He was preaching and working under the power of the Holy Spirit to do what uh, he was sent to do. And that's what he said. Let's go somewhere where we can tell people that don't know about God, about God. Now, we live in the southeast of the United States of America. And we live in the southernmost part where we are of the United States of America. It has been called the Bible Belt. So many people are familiar with the Bible 
uh, and not necessarily knowing it well, but they, they know what it is. They're familiar with the church because you can't ride through this town without passing a church every other block. That's just the way we are down here in the South. We have uh, an appearance of being a, a, a godly people, a worshipful people. We've got so many places to do it. But I guarantee you, out of all of the places in Helen and West Helen today, if you rode around and took an inventory of how many people in the church, it'd be less than 80%. That doesn't say much for us, folks. Amen. Jesus focused on the ministry when they were worried about where he was and what he'd been doing. It's like us worried about having a cookout, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. What, you, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Jesus changed the subject. He wanted to go to where the harvest was. That's where he wanted to go. And that's why he said, that's why I came. I came to evangelize to the lost. I came to tell them about how to get saved. That's why I'm here. And uh, look at verse 40. Then a man with a serious skin disease came to him and on his knees begged him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. And immediately, the disease left. Boy, I'm telling you, uh, there are people out there that need Jesus. And I'm afraid that uh, it's, they're not seeing in the church and church people what they need to see of Jesus. We ought to be living, walking, talking, sharing testimonies of the Lord Jesus Christ as his children. That's what we ought to do. It's not what we do many times. And uh, I stand before you guilty today, too. I know none of us do what we're supposed to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. If we did, <laughs> and this is what we're afraid of sometimes, I think we tell ourselves we are, if we did what the Lord wants us to do, people would see us coming and they'd run the other way. <laughs> they knew we were going to talk about Jesus. Now, I want to tell you something. Lost people don't want to hear about Jesus too much. Uh, it, it convicts them, and they, they don't like that. They know they need to do something, and they won't do it. Uh, kind of like growing up as a child in a house where your parents expected so much from you, and you just didn't want to do it and you'd get in trouble for not doing it. And that's, that's the way a lot of people feel today. They're in trouble with Jesus. Well, there's one way to get out of trouble. That's do what he wants you to do. The first thing you have to do is fall on your knees before him and admit your sin and lostness and ask him to save you. And all of us probably in this room today have done that. And then get up and go tell somebody else. You read many instances in the scripture when people got saved, they went immediately to tell somebody else. That's just what we need to do. Um, and when you look at this, uh, verse 40, the man with a serious skin disease came to him, and on his knees he begged him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him. Be made clean. 
Jesus saw a man with a skin disease. And I think in the scripture we can use this skin disease, if you will, as a, a symbol or a symptom of what's the matter with the lost people. There's a spiritual problem. Now, I want to tell you something. This, this skin disease, this leprosy, it was a deadly disease. It would kill you. If you got it, you didn't have much of an opportunity from that time on. You were doomed to die. I'm going to tell you something about sin in our lives. If we got it and we don't get rid of it, we're doomed to die and go to the devil's hell. And that's what the world faces. Jesus had a remedy for that. Jesus said, you come unto me and I'll give you life. I'll forgive your sins, take them away. Does that mean we won't ever sin anymore? Some people believe that. No, that doesn't mean that. It means that Jesus knows at that point in our lives what we have done, what we're doing, and what we're going to do, and he forgives all of it at one time. He just wipes the slate clean. Now, that, doesn't, that don't keep us from doing what we ought to do and ought not to do. Jesus just forgives the sin in the future with the sin in the past. That's just who he is, and he doesn't see it anymore. This skin disease was just a symptom. Look at verse 42. Immediately the disease left him and he was healed. Then he sternly warned him and sent him away at once. <laughs> Why did he uh, warn him, do you think? He told him not to say anything to anybody. Just go and show himself to the priest. This was what the law required. This is what the Jewish belief was. When you got healing, you went to the priest. You showed the priest and you had to offer a particular sacrifice, a kind of sacrifice uh, to, to God for healing you. And that's what he told the man to do. You go do that. You don't, don't go out and broadcast all of this. You go do what God wants you to do. And that's to go to the priest and pay the price. Now, Scripture said the man didn't do that. He was so tickled that he got saved. He went out and started telling everybody, well, that's, <laughs> that's what we are <laughs> just almost encouraged, but we're compelled to do if we get saved and our sin is gone is to go out and tell somebody. That should be the desire of our heart. To go out and tell somebody what Jesus has done for us. Well, back in this day when the people had a lot of semblance of religion. And the man went out and started. They knew him. They knew he had been sick. He had a disease and he needed healing. When he went and told them, this Jesus healed me. That's all he had to do was speak and he healed me. They went crazy to see Jesus and it was not, folks, I'm, I, with all my heart I believe this, it was not to hear the message Jesus was preaching, but it was to gain something that he could give them. Amen. That's why they wanted Jesus. They flocked to him, and it kind of quelched the ministry. And that's what Jesus didn't want to happen. 
That's why he told a man to do what he was supposed to do, to go to the priest and uh, do what uh, the scripture said. He had received the instructions after he got healed, and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. So what happened? The ministry was hindered. The ministry was hindered. We don't like to think about that. But he didn't do what Jesus told him to do, and the ministry was hindered. Jesus couldn't even go into the towns anymore, uh, not, not like he did openly. But the, the people just, he couldn't go to church. The people just flocked to the churches and filled them up. Jesus couldn't even go into church. He had to find another way to preach and reach the people for salvation. And he did that, but it was not the, the best way for it to be done. Instead of doing as he should have done, this guy went and caused trouble for the new religion, caused trouble for people coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. How do people hear about Jesus? How do he, people hear the message of salvation? It's from us. It comes directly from the church. So it was back then. Jesus preached in the church. He preached salvation to the people and they couldn't get in the church much less hear him preaching because this guy did something wrong. Now, I, look, I'm not going to talk about us in particular, but I know there are a lot of churches out there in the world today that people won't go in because, oh, so-and-so goes down there, oh, so-and-so goes down there, those deacons down there are such and such and such and such. Now, that's, you hear that all the time. People won't go because they feel like they can't get in because of the bad things that are going on. Folks, we, as God's people, need to do everything within our power to live for him every minute of every day to be a witness to everybody by our lives who we belong to and make room for them to come into that same faith, not do things that will discourage them from coming and keep them away. Because of what the people did, the witness of Jesus was lost. Sometimes what the people in our churches today causes people to lose the way. People, people were not thwarted back in Jesus' day, though. Scripture says they went out into the desert. They went to deserted places where they could hear the message. Jesus was, he was such a good minister and he loved the people so much, he didn't mind standing on a rock in the sun and preaching to the people in order to get them saved and lead them to uh, salvation in God. He didn't mind. Now, sometimes we say we don't mind being a witness. But folks, we're discouraged so many times by the devil telling us, well, if, if you do that, you're going to be embarrassed. If you do that, those people are not going to listen to you. You're just wasting your time. Uh, if you do that, you're just making yourself look like a fool for believing all of that stuff. 
The devil just, he's after us all the time to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. Even if the people come, they don't hear what they should hear from us. You know, preachers can stand up here. All of us who are ministers can stand in the pulpit and preach until we turn pulpit. You know what? That doesn't mean nearly as much as one of you at the office, at the grocery store, at the doctor's office, wherever you go. And what the preacher does on Sunday morning doesn't mean nearly as much as you sitting down to next to somebody and say, hey, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior? And then listen to them make excuses or do whatever they're going to do. But you have an opportunity then to tell them about Jesus. You have an opportunity to lead them to salvation. How many times in all of our lives, mine included, do we miss the opportunities to talk to people about Jesus? He didn't miss opportunities. He was such a good witness. People went out of their way even to go out into the deserted places to hear him. Now, you're talking about a preacher. You can talk about your Jimmy Swaggerts and your Billy Grahams and all of these people you want to. But I'm going to tell you something. There was nobody who could preach like Jesus. <laughs> I'd like to have heard him myself. Can you imagine what that'd be like? Who could get up and walk away from one of Jesus' messages and still be lost? That'd be hard. Be ignorant. But <laughs> excuse me, ignorant. <laughs> That's a good, good Southern word, isn't it? We have a lot of people that will walk away from the truth of the gospel. Jesus desired to be among the greatest number of people that he could. He didn't mind the throngs coming to him. Why? He wanted to witness to them. When he couldn't do it where he wanted to, he did it where he could. Now, we need to take a lesson from that, too. Our plans may have to change sometimes, but we need to change them so we can reach the most people. Reach the most people with salvation. We need to, to try to do that with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our love for the Lord. We need to do what He would do, and He would witness to the lost wherever, whenever, however, he could. He would do that. Church, as his children, we need to do the same. We need to follow his example and do what Jesus would do. Okay? Let's stand together. Have a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you love us, that your concern for us goes beyond all of the boundaries and the borders that we, we know. You meet us, God, where we can meet you, wherever we are, 
however we live. You want us to come to you in saving faith. Lord, after we get there, we in the church need to be your arms and hands and feet and legs. We need to go out in your name and reach out to people the same way. We are your children and you have given us the command to do as you did. God, give us the strength, the courage to do what we need to do in order to see people saved and come to know Jesus. For this, God, we will give you the honor and the glory. We love you. We thank you for loving us, being here with us today as we worship. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.